we submit and we commit our lives to you. We trust you, Father. We trust you in the good and in the moment of uncertainty. We trust you. Well, these songs and these hymns that we're singing, Lord God, many saints down through the years have sung them in the in the midst of the fiery trials that they were experiencing. They trusted you. Even in the face of death, they sung these songs. It really meant what it meant. And Father, I believe with all of my heart that you've allowed for us who are alive now as Christians all over the world to, to be able to attest to the same kind of faith. And we come to a time, Lord, where we open up your word, which never changes. Speak to us now. Bless our hearts. We thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Thank you, praise team. You can have your seats. Please stand with me as we read from, um, first I would say this has gone, changed the theme here. Still God's message to the children of God, but hope from the scriptures, the holy word of God. Here we go, Romans 15. It says, now we who are strong, I'm going to turn this thing off. Now we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. Each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. And for whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through encouragement from the scriptures. Now, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another, according to Jesus Christ, so that you may glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. The grass withers and the flower fades. You may be seated. Our church is called Urban Hope by intentionality. The word in itself expresses the deepest longing in my own heart personally. The hope of something better, the hope of genuine reconciliation and harmony, the hope of breaking the cycles of urban poverty and decay, and the hope of what could be realized 
in the power of the gospel in itself. And that great gospel hope of all hopes is our hope in eternal life after physical death that emanates from our hope in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ by faith. Which leads me to my first keynote. Paul says here in 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul is encouraging the church who's going through suffering. And you need to know this. Um, most of the New Testament, as it was being written, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, Hebrews, um, Thessalonians, Philippians, the church was in deep peril, suffering. This is why I hate the prosperity gospel, because when you just read the New Testament um, and Jesus told us, um, but somehow we lose sight of that. And that's just part of why you got a lot of false preachers. I'll speak to that. But the church has always been in peril, suffering, dying. It's just been we're, this is not our home. It's a fight. And we lose sight of that. We think, we, I don't know how, I think us here in the West, and we've been lured into this lethargicness that any suffering of any kind, it's just, it, we don't know how to act when it, when it starts to really imp starts to press upon us. So there was no difference. So Paul is telling these Christians who's in suffering in Thessalonian, Thessalonica, you know, suffering was happening. And so people had all kinds of thoughts. And so Paul starts out by saying, we do not want you to be uninformed, church, Christians, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, meaning dead, death, they have died, loved ones, so that you would not grieve like the rest, meaning who are, who are the rest? The world, the unbelieving world, they don't have this faith. They're dead. We are alive. They're not alive. All they know is what they know. So they're grieving with a different kind of grief. But we, Paul says, that we don't grieve like them. And we really have to get this in our hearts. We grieve with a hope. Why, Paul says, because they have no hope. When their loved one dies, they don't have faith in Jesus. They don't know what to say to each other. They don't know because they have no hope of seeing each other again. They have no hope of the resurrection. They have nothing. So this is all they have in this world. That's all they know of. They don't know of anything else because they don't have this hope. But for us, we who believe, you have to say to yourself, do you really believe this? Do you believe this story? Paul said, if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, you believe that in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Your mother died, your grandmother died, your grandfather died who was a Christian, your uncle died who was a pastor, your loved ones who've gone on before you in the Lord. The hope is in the gospel. They've fallen asleep. They're dead right now. Paul says, those who have fallen asleep, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Next verse. For we say this to you by a word 
from the Lord. This is from Jesus. This is the promise of the gospel. We who are still alive, if he comes back tomorrow or tonight or next week or three months from now, there's nothing stopping the Lord from coming back. Who we who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Talking about the resurrection for the Lord himself will descend from heaven and with a shout, with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. They're coming out of the graves. Resurrected bodies. No more sickness, no more glasses, no more blindness, no more bad hips, no more pandemics, no more medicines. They are fully healed, immortal bodies, resurrection. They're in Jesus Christ. And then Paul says, then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds. They call this the rapture. To meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. There will never be any separation from him with us and us with him. And look what he says. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. He tells the Christians, death is coming. But we grieve not like those with the world. And I tell you, Christians are grieving like as though this stuff is not really real. You have to get this in your heart. Do you believe this? Paul says, encourage one another with these words. It's coming. And so this leads me to my text. Apostle Paul has spent the whole chapter, Romans 14, on how God wants us to live, to walk and to abide in the gospel unity, granting liberty towards each other in our vast diversity. The church in Rome was made up of Jews and Gentiles, made up of slaves and free slaves, working poor and the poor poor. These Gentiles came from all over the Roman world. They had Greek people and non-Greek people and all kinds of various ethnic groups that was in this church here in Rome, house church. Some believe more than one. But these Christians who have been called out of the world, the world that is passing away, they've been called out of the world into a new family. The family of God called the ecclesia, the church. Those who have been called out, they've heard the voice of their true shepherd and the voice of a stranger they will not listen to. They've heard their voice of their shepherd in whom we will spend all of eternity with. They're now in a new family called the church. We are the church. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. The world hates the bride of Christ. It hates the church. Jesus says it hated me. It will hate you. It will lie to you. It will try to deceive you. It's the world. Nothing different, nothing more. It has always persecuted the people of God. And it's not going to stop because it's the new generation. It will not stop until Jesus comes and does away with the great serpent, death and Hades itself.
But Paul here in Romans tells the strong, the strong Christians. They're always strong believers. They're always weak believers. There are those who are always weak in their faith, weak in the things of God, read their Bible very little or have a hard time understanding it. They're children of God, but they're just not as strong as others. There was a time when I came into church, like I said before, I didn't know what I know now. We grow in our faith. We grow in understanding the things of God. Some of us, not all of us are in the same place spiritually. Even though we read the same Bible, we pray. Some of us have great faith, strong faith. Some of us have very little faith. Some storms that will hit you, for me, it's like, a, it's like a flea to me. But for you, it's like the greatest storm of all storms. It's because of where our faith may be. What you may understand about God. How you understand God in all of his sovereignty. Some of you, a person in your family dies, it may take you 10 years to get over it. For some of us, our mother died and go home and be with Jesus. We celebrate, we drink wine, and we keep it moving. We cry, we grieve, but we're just at a different place where it's not going to stop us from living life as we understand life. And that's okay. So Paul says here in the text, the strong are called to bear the weakness of those without strength. And each are called, all of us, weak and strong, that we are called not to please ourselves. Whether you got little faith, big faith, strong faith, you are called by God not to live for yourself, not to please ourselves, but to seek to please our neighbor. That's why Christianity is so counterculture to the world. The world is on the opposite. You get yours, you get mine. In the Christian world, we seek to, we seek to serve our brothers and sisters. We seek to, to care. That's what we talked about earlier, and we gave some of the things. That's because all of us are in different places, so we have to accommodate each other. And the strong mostly have to do a lot of the burdening, weight carrying in that because they are stronger in their faith, so they have to in many ways, give up more of their own um, <laughs> what they may hold to in order to maintain unity within the body. So Paul says, we are not called to please ourselves, but to seek to please our neighbor. And then he says in verse three, for Christ, our Lord, he did not please himself. And then Apostle Paul quotes this verse. For Christ did not please himself. But on the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. So here Paul quotes this Psalm 69, 9. This Old Testament messianic psalm that is reinforcing how Jesus lived his life, how he was consumed with the will of the father in all things. Jesus was consumed with that. You read in John 638, Jesus speaking, he says, for I have come down from heaven. My mission from heaven is not to do my own will. This is Jesus talking. He didn't have, like, I have my own will, and then it's my Father's will. Jesus said, my will is to do the will of my Father who sent me from heaven. 
to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus says, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And so Apostle Paul quotes Psalm 69, 9, letting us all know how Jesus lived. He who knew no sin took on sin for us. He was insulted from our insults to him. And then in verse four, the Apostle Paul vindicates himself and why he's quoting Psalm 69, 9. And he exhorts the Christians in Rome then and Christians all over then and now with this important fact. He says in verse four, for whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction. So God wants to instruct us. He wants to teach us. One theologian says um, the Bible is a teaching ministry. It teaches us about some things so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. Wow. Apostle Paul here is esteeming all scripture for guiding us and instructing us. And let me say very carefully in these evil last days. You say, Pastor Hardy, what is last days? We don't hear that word a lot, but it's there. Last days is referring to and it begins with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That is when the Bible says it's talking about the last days when Jesus died, was resurrected and ascended to the father. The last days begun. We are in the last days. And how long will it keep going on? I'm going to speak to that, but no one knows. But we're in the last days. It could go another five years, another 10 years, another 100 years, another two years. But as you can see, things are rapidly speeding up quickly. They're changing. So the last days is we're in it. But Paul says that the the Old Testament stories were written for our instruction that we may have hope. This Greek word hope here, it means to look forward with confidence to that which is good and beneficial. It's the general feeling that some desire will be fulfilled. I mean, don't you long for a day where there will be no more mourning, there will be no more crying, there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more death. I long for that day. I, I just, I mean, I mean, sometimes I just see what I see. I see all the, what I see. It's just, I'm just longing for a day where there, and so this is what this word hope means. It, it, it's, it's longing from some desire to be fulfilled. It's looking forward with confidence to that which is good and beneficial. We're longing for that. But let's be honest. I said early in the service, you know, tough day, tough week. I said, man, God, what is happening? Just, just not, you know, we're building a building. We got particularized, devoted, and, 
it just it's like would think would be just the best day ever. But, you know, just being a pastor and watching and talking with other pastors and just emailing and texting and like, man, what is happening? It's like, slow down. Give me time to take it in. <laughs> and I was talking to Malcolm. It's just stuff is moving fast. It's like, OK. <laughs> you can feel it. What's happening? There's something happening with this COVID and Delta variant. I mean, I, it's just like it's coming at us so quickly. We can't, we're going to, churches are trying to adjust. Now we got the Taliban militants have taken over Afghanistan again. Afghanistan's got nukes. Now what are we going to do with that? And then our border is wide open. They ain't got, they ain't got nobody out there watching anything. So now if you want to get in America and put a bomb, man, you can just walk right in with an atom bomb and blow up Birmingham. And she's like, what do you do? The borders is wide open. Taliban just took back over Afghanistan. We took, people lost their lives for it. Boom, pulls the troops. Here it go again. And they coming after America. They don't like us. They don't want anything good about us. And they're like, we're coming. Iran is coming as well. Want to lose sleep? <laughs> Try thinking about that at night. Then Haiti, again, get hit. Poorest nation in the hemisphere. I, now you ask me, someone ask me, why is Haiti keep getting hit? And Dominican Republicans just seem like they're just basking in the sun. I don't know. I don't know why that is happening. We have people here that's from, that's their home nation. So it hits differently now to know that children are dead. It's already poor. And now we are trying to do mission work there. And it seems like we can't even get off the ground to even get there because constantly president gets killed. Now an earthquake. Fires burning all over Europe. And in the Western states, fires burning like never before in Siberia, all over the West Coast. Can't put them out. Police killed in Chicago, violence at an all time high. All every city is violence is off the charts. Broad day shootings, no mass, no nothing. People say there ain't no police, defund the police. It's crazy. Police was killed in Chicago violently. And this is the thing that ticks me out. No social media. Nobody said any word. I asked my wife, you hear anything about She said, oh, yeah, not really. I asked EJ, oh, no, not really. Police just doing their job. I think it was a Hispanic lady, her and her partner, both dead. Guess what? Her us in this room even know anything about it. Restaurants short of staffing. Seeing that, closing at five, Milo's. We already don't have a whole lot of restaurants. <laughs> it's not like we're in Hoover over here, you know. <laughs> if you recognize. <laughs> short of staffing. Every restaurant you go into, you can just tell the food is not the same. 
He got people back there cooking now, ain't never cooked a hot dog. <laughs> I want Big Jake. I went to, now I went to back 40. Now, he's, if you want to find Pastor Hart, I'm going to be at back 40. Because <laughs> that burger right there, now somebody know what they're doing back there. Because you can't make a burger taste. It's, you know, I can eat a lot of hamburgers, and too many hamburgers don't fool me up. But that hamburger, man, it, I walked up, I was sleepy. I was like, I got to get up out of here. Now, I said, yeah. Jake guy was going. I said, man, you got the best secret in Birmingham right here, bro. So he's going to be seeing me. Government and business enforcement, vaccinations, and people losing their jobs over it. We have never seen that before in our country or our world. I'm 55. Never seen that before. Churches, schools, colleges, businesses splitting over disagreements of how to handle it, which is impacting Christian fellowship, relationships, and Christian community across the board. It's unavoidable. And then we have this social justice everything, creating all kinds of divisions and disharmony within the church. What do we do? It's all happening at fever pitch. Paul says what was written was written that we may have hope through endurance. Man, I'm longing for hope. This word hope um, through endurance means steadfastness, which carries the capacity to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances. Paul says what was written in the past was written that we may have hope and endurance that we're able to to bear up under the difficulty of the circumstances that are coming our way. It's the power to withstand hardship or stress, especially the inward fortitude. It's this ability, this capacity to be able to withstand hardship and stress to be able to go through it, endure. And Paul says these things that were written, these stories that sometimes we skip over or we've not read them at all, the Old Testament. These things that were written in the past was written to encourage us. And so here, um, I have in my notes, um, I have 15 minutes, pastoral confession, a time of prayer. A friend of mine is Ron Carter. Some of y'all know him. Him and I met for lunch this week and, and you know him and I, we just like, man, where are you preaching on? Where are you, where are you focusing on? And, and he preaches at Harvest quite a bit. And he's, I think the last couple of sermons he's preached on is from 2 Timothy 3, where it says, but know this, difficulty, difficult, hard times will come in the last day. I said, well, what making you say, man, God's just really impressing on me. The church needs to get ready. We're, we are difficult, hard times. And as your pastor, guys, I'm, I'm a man of history. I like history. I study history a lot, especially a student of Christian history. Um, I told you, you know, when, when I was in the little kind of charismatic word of faith, I started to read a lot of books outside of America and 
like books, Fox's books, The Martyr, because I just wanted to know, you know, because I'm reading about, I'm always reading about suffering. And if you're not living in suffering like that, how does that make sense? You know, I just read. I don't think we understand that a lot of Christians in the world are suffering. And I was, my wife and I had dinner last night with me, and a guy was talking about the Christians in China, like if they become Christians because they don't have a 401k plan. I said, what? Stop. So they don't have a 401k plan in China. So the kids take care of the parents. Well, if your kid become a Christian, he becomes a pastor and goes into ministry. That's a death knell because there ain't no money in ministry. So they just own their own children. Just because they say we want to follow Jesus. Imagine that your parents disowning you. Because you follow Jesus. And he said, I know these people. They are not fictitious people. I actually know them. I said, man, I don't even, in our context, we still have no framework for that. So here's what I know. Something is different. Now than it ever has been in this time of history. It's different. Something is, is, I can't put my finger on it. Something is different. What I'm witnessing is, is different. You know, we always say, well, when is Jesus coming back? Nobody knows. You hear these stories like, you know, we just, but there's something different now. I've never seen in the history of my time, me and Sandra, we, we said, we ever seen this where People are not either the choice to keep their job or lose their jobs. That has never happened before. Not in America. It doesn't matter where you agree or disagree. I'm just saying that has never happened before. I don't know where there's leading. I can't go to New Orleans and eat. Or New York. Sporting event. Restaurant. Some even saying maybe even a grocery store. I've never seen that before. Something is different right now that I've never seen. Last Wednesday at prayer time, night before, just like, man, you know, the Lord really just impressed upon me to read Matthew 24 and to read it. And I came into prayer uh, with it on my heart. I read the whole thing. But 9 through 14, it just really stands out to me and has been because I've just been reading it. Just like, man, Lord, what is happening um, with what is going on? Jesus says in Matthew 24, verses 9 through 14, then they will hand you over to be persecuted. See, Christians always being persecuted. Sometimes you can just read over it, but every time you read Jesus, it's almost like persecution and dying for me. <laughs> like, Jesus, we don't want to hear that, man. We, we live in America, man. <laughs> you got to quit all that <laughs> persecution stuff, man. <laughs> we like you, man, but come on. <laughs> you know, why you always got to be telling me about I'm going to be strung up? <laughs> or you tell me I'll be happy and, 
and, and satisfied wearing the best clothes and having the best. Oh, I want to hear that. That's why we like them kind of churches. Because the pastor's like, he just, he just see that. He just wiped that out. But that persecution doesn't mean uh, what it says. It, just, it, it, it means uh, that the bad people are going to be persecuted. <laughs> and because they had their hair always be good. They have hair. I, they don't be, most of the time, I'm prosperity preachers knows they got a lot of hair. <laughs> They look good. They, they, they look good on the eye because you got to be able to really tell them stories, even though you're reading it. And they'll say, well, then they will hand you over. But now you're, gonna, you're not going to get handed over. Well, who's going to get handed over? Your neighbor. <laughs> the dope dealer. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah. He's right. Yeah. Keep preaching. How much money you need? <laughs> but no, Jesus said, you're going to be persecuted. They will kill you. Jesus, come on. It's got to stop all this persecuting and kill you. You will be hated, oh no, Jesus, by all nations because of my name. Then many will fall away. Say, I can't do this. Following Jesus? Nah, gotta get off the train. Betray one another and hate one another. And then many false prophets will arise and deceive many. I don't think we understand deception as much as we think we do. I would say to you, the greatest deception is happening right now. I'm watching, I'm, I'm watching it with my own eyes. I would tell you and encourage you to do this. Pray with your husband and your wife each night. Lord, pray that we don't be deceived. I'm telling you what Jesus, Jesus said, it's going to be so, this deception is going to be so strong that even the very elect will be deceived. So this is, he's telling you that this deception is going to be so strong that you maybe think you, you think you're following God and doing it his way and you're being led to the slaughter. Many false prophets will arise and deceive many and because of lawlessness will multiply and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world. As a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. I kind of want to end on this. You know, God's giving us a new building. Um, and I asked God, I said, Lord, we've raised the money to pay for the building. But if we didn't take any outside donations, we wouldn't have enough money to do hardly anything. Just as a church. If the money didn't come in from the outside, from outside church, outside tithers, people who go to other churches, committed to help us out here, we would not have enough money to have any staff, let alone me. So I asked the Lord, okay, why are you giving us a building in the midst of a pandemic, most churches are shut down or not even meeting. And now with this new variant coming out, who knows where this is going to go? So what's the point? Why? I mean, because I said, Lord, if you please, Lord, you don't want us to have a building because you know this pandemic is here. You can see it. They shut it down. Don't let any money come in. So we don't need to have a building sitting in the community that's not going to be open and packed with people because what's the point if we can't meet? That's how I pray. So I was asking God that. 
So I want to end on this because over the next few weeks, I'm going to I want to preach some Old Testament narratives. The Paul said they were written to encourage us to guide us through these evil days so we know how to walk in this stuff. I want you to say this to us as a way of encouragement. I believe with all my heart that I know that it's going to be a real test for us, not just for us, all churches who wants to be biblical and to abide by the word of God. I sense it in my heart, I sense it in my soul, but it's going to come that it's going to become a great test for us to abide for us to continue to do what we're doing even here today, to abide, to do this, even what we're doing here tonight. That is going to become a real test for us to abide by all the regulations and the CDC government regulations going forward that will be coming down the pipe. And it's going to be tough for us to obey Christ and his word at the same time and fulfill the mission of the church in Fairfield and beyond. I trust truly with all of my heart what I'm seeing and what I'm reading. Every time I hear somebody say CDC, I was like, what do you want us to do with that? I'm trying to obey this. I can't do both. If the CDC tells me not to have church, just let it be known, let it be on the tape. Y'all know me by now. I'm having church. Now, I'm not saying anything against the CDC. Until Jesus comes and writes something different. And what I believe with all my heart, what's coming. is that it's going to become difficult to abide by both going forward. Now, I ask God, what you give us a building for? The cost is one point six. And you said, Pastor, where is this going? I don't know. I just know something different. There are people that I know who are losing their jobs. They're doctors, they're nurses, they work in these hospitals. They don't believe in taking the vaccination. That's their freedom of choice. We talked about that. And so as it calls to the companies, say, if you don't take it, you have to walk away. We have people in our church are even contemplating that. This is not for jokes. This is real life. People are making decisions of what they're going to do. This is coming to us as a church. We feel it. And so what does this mean? Could this be the moment? I know for what I'm doing and I as your pastor, I've been faithful to say this is not my home. If God wants me to live a long life, that's his choice. I'm not, I don't think I can shorten it, <laughs> anything. I'm just going to be faithful to whatever it is. Um, for you millennials, you know, people always ask, what is, what's, you know, what's the millennials calling? Maybe this is it. Maybe this is where you was born. Maybe this is you were born for this moment in history. You've had the most technology, You've had the most opportunities. You have the best of everything. And maybe in God's providential timing, 
that he chose this generation for his return. But also in that would be the greatest persecution, time of testing that we've ever seen. With all the technology, with all the IG, Twitter, this is the opportunity where we say now, with all this Jesus we have been professing on Facebook and IG and Twitter and Snapchat and TikTok, that this is the moment in the history of the world where we say, for Jesus I live, for Jesus I die. I surrender all. I don't know. Well, I tell you this, something is different that I've never seen before. You know, I catch myself, I wanted to go away so we can get back to normalcy. I said that all last year. And here again, we're right back at it. It's hard to do ministry. You can't even do ministry. You can't because so he gets it. See, they say two weeks off. Man, imagine. I'm telling you guys, listen to me. I'm around so many people. You would not have a pastor. I wouldn't be here. I can't tell you how many people I've been around this very had the COVID-19. See, some of y'all, oh, I ain't gonna come around the church. I don't know. I'm not saying to come cough on me. But I'm not a skinny guy neither. <laughs> Somebody was meeting last night. He said, Pat Sanchez was saying, your husband's really big. He said, yeah, he's pretty big. <laughs> I said, look, look at me. <laughs> I'm riding a bike, me and Carl riding a bike 20 miles down to the Pepper Place. And they might, you know, soon it'll be Pepper Place, going to be out the heart because I'm going to die at the Pepper Place. <laughs> Sweating. Because I'm trying to lose the weight. I'm trying to get down real skinny. <laughs> but here's my point. I don't know. That's why I say I don't want to use the word fear. I just don't know how to live without just doing Jesus. Loving on people. Preaching to people in their presence. I don't know anything else. And so with that being said, I come to our close. This is gear up. I encourage you to read your Bible daily. Be in prayer. Come out of sin. Live for God. Pursue him. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Don't be wasting time. I think we're in something that's totally different. And you can feel it in the atmosphere. It's picking up steam and it's getting worse and worse. As my friend Ron says, in the last days, it's going to be difficult, hard, lawlessness. Love yourselves. You see it. People are losing their mind. And so for the church, for us to live for God, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for those things which were written in the past to encourage us, to keep us one, that we may have one voice, walk in harmony, walk in love. And Jesus, you told us that many deceivers would come, false prophets, false pastors, false everything, to deceive us away from the truth. And Lord, we see it and we feel it. Each and every day, the enemy is threatening us with death. COVID really is saying death is going to come to us. 
But you've told us, Lord, that we are not like the world. We don't grieve as though one who have no hope. We do have hope. We have hope in the life to come, the life after death. Though we die, yet we will live if we believe in the gospel. If we believe in that story. And Lord, we know that some of us have strong faith, some of us have weak faith. Lord, I pray that you would increase those who have weak faith to believe with strong faith. That you would begin to build their faith up, Lord. That they would begin to say that it's Lord who's in control of my life. I had nothing to do with the day of my birth. I would have nothing to do with the day of my death. And though when death may come to us, because we name the name of you, Lord, they may tell us as Christians, because we meet together, that we can no longer meet. And we have to make a decision. We have to make a choice. Whether we should meet to each other, spur each other on with, with encouraging words, and whether we believe the world and say we're not going to meet because the world said not to meet. And Lord, I pray that we have the faith to endure to the end. That's what you told us. Overcoming faith. Faith to believe you at your word, though we may die in a physical sense. But you've told us not to fear the one who can kill the body. They could kill us. And they probably will. But you say, don't fear him who can kill the body. But fear him. Fear the curious. Fear the God of the universe. The one who can take both your body and your soul. And place them in a place of great torment and punishment. Lord, I don't know if we understand that. I know I don't in many ways. Come touch us and be with me over the next few weeks, Lord, as I take Old Testament narratives that can encourage us to navigate these evil days, to show us how to be like the three Hebrew boys who were threatened by King Nebuchadnezzar. They say, if you don't bow down and kiss the ring, you're going to be thrown into a fire. They stood in you. Help us to be encouraged by those stories. Help us to know those stories. So when our moment comes, we will be able to be like the Hebrew boys and everyone else who said yes to your will. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please stand on your feet. Sobering word. But I had to. Some of y'all know this. Romans 15, 4 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Because it's an Old Testament narrative. God let the people out of Egypt into the promised land. So it's understanding this Old Testament, what was written, how God moves, shapes us. But with that being said, raise your hand, receive this benediction. The Lord bless you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance towards you this day and grant you his peace. God blesses to you. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.